Thank you for listening to the Plain State Podcast, a production of the Department of English at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Fasten your seatbelts for part two of the conversation between Bianca Swift, Celie Knudsen, Celine Haynes, and Jack Buchanan, members of the UNL Slam Poetry Team. The team is coached by Stacey Waite, who you will hear referenced in this episode. Everyone say the first word that pops into your mind when you think about Stacey Waite. We're starting with Bianca. Yeah. Jack is under pressure right now. Do you want me to go? Hug. Oh, man, I was going to do that one. What's yours? I was going to say Stacey's the best hugger. <laughs> um, um, warm. Warm. Very warm. I can't do one word. I'm sorry. <laughs> Stacey's literally, like, there's never been a time in my entire poetry career where I felt like she wouldn't include something I say or value something that I say or provide. She's literally always there for you, is always willing to um, accept you, is ready to, is, is wanting you to unload whatever you feel like you can't say to her. We should also mention that she does not get paid. Well, that's what I was going to say. So she's like... So I read her book, <laughs> not to draw her book, but she wrote this book, Bush Geography, which you have read, you should. Um, I read her book after I had met her several times, but I read it and it was just like, on one level, Stacy is like our person. She is the person we trust more than anyone. I think there's something really vulnerable about going into competitions. Really quick. Yeah. <laughs> Stacy Waite is our head coach. Yeah. yeah. That's a good step. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> And there's something really vulnerable about going into a competition space, going and doing something that may or may not be really emotionally draining and having numbers thrown at you. Mm-hmm. And I never, ever feel safer than when Stacy is in charge. She makes the choices about who's going to go up. She yeah. makes the choices where she's like, that was a BS call. You know, like <laughs> she does all of that. So I think that she just like really embodies the team. And she's so famous. I mean, it's public famous. But, like, one time she told me that she was checking out Whole Foods and the cashier brought her book out of her bag and was like, will you sign this? Which is, like, totally Stacey because Stacey has, like, a niche, right? But, like, it's beautiful. Um, She's so famous and so, like, caring and giving. I never feel like I have to be embarrassed whenever we're at practice. Like, I could go up and just read some trash. And I'm not going to feel bad. She's she's kind of, it's like a family we built mm, and she yes. does it all for free. Like other coaches at other schools are literally getting paid thousands of dollars. Coaches who are less educated mm-hmm. and less cool. And who she like competed on the slam scene herself. She's overly qualified to be our coach. She is the director of the grad studies program in the English department. She's doing a million different things. And she sits there for at least an hour a week with us, often at 9 p.m. after her children <laughs> go to bed. And wants to, like, hear what we have to say about the world. I don't know if I could say anything cooler about her than that. And I also, like, I also feel like, I feel like there's kind of, like, a lot of harm that coaches can do. Especially, like, I've seen kind of in a comfy space Mm, to their charges. But I, like, I, I charges have such a bad word. But I also just think that, like, I've never felt, like, more cooking. Like, even when I'm, like, very nervous about doing a poem, like, I'm very, very, like, safe and solid in the way that, Stacy, I'm like, I love that I like have to think very, very little about anything. Stacy knows what's going on. Stacy's gonna say what's happening next. I'm just, I'm just there to be moved like a puppet. Yes. And that's like so yeah. comforting. 
And Stacey cares cares way more about us as people than as poets, which is like, there's this Mm -hmm. thing where art has become this, especially in the slam saying, it's become this idea of the product, like we were talking about numbers earlier. Um, And Stacey really doesn't care about that. Like, she believes in us and wants Mm -hmm. us to win and wants the calls to come down the right way and all of that. But she would much rather, like, I did a poem about my abuse last year, um, and it really messed with my head after the thing. And she would much rather sit with you and make sure that you were okay than care at all about if it was your best performance. But I don't know. I just feel so safe. Yeah. Like she really wants whatever you put out there to be a reflection of yourself and not a reflection of like a poet sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love with her. Love um, about Stacey the most is that we all have said it, but she's so caring and so patient with everything we do. And she's going to be there no matter what. She's going to be there as a coach, as a person, as a friend, as whatever you need her to be. And that is the most beautiful thing that I could find in a human. And that is Stacey Wade. And like an experience I had with her, and I kind of talked about it a little bit um, with you all earlier, but uh, I remember we were at a, a, a competition in Cup, at Cup C and I completely could not remember any of my words to this poem. And there's times when I look at Stacey, I'm like, she's so good at everything she does. I don't want to disappoint her. I don't want to disappoint her. I want to be that person who shows her I have skill, you know? And like, uh, and we were just practicing and everyone was doing great on the team who was just reading over their poems and everything, but I couldn't get it. And I felt like a failure. And, um, part of me just wanted to go sit in my cocoon as a person with anxiety would do. But Stacey was like, no, come with me. And we went into the hallway. And she literally sat there as I just cried. I just cried. I, I had nothing to say at this point. I was yeah. done with myself. And Stacey's like, it's okay. It's okay. You can cry it out. But we're going to do this. And you're going to do this. And it was just, it was an amazing experience because although she was allowing me to kind of let the poem go, mm-hmm. she was also encouraging me and telling me that you you can do whatever you put your mind to. And I know that's very cliche, but coming from her, and if you knew her, that's like the highest compliment. The mm-hmm. highest. And um, that's just the person she is. I don't even know what words can describe Stacy, honestly, besides just the greatest human. <laughs> she's been this way since I was in high school. Yeah. Like yeah. she's been a support system to me mm-hmm. before she was even my coach. And that's just beautiful to me because I don't even have that in my family sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to have Stacy and she doesn't even see that she's this big mm-hmm. of a I'm tribute sure. to my yeah. life, to my life. She has know, no so. idea. Yeah, yeah. I don't she's know. Amazing. I'm like, yeah. She respects us so much too. I just the whole time I think, wow, you're so much better at poems than any of us. And she sits there and she just really wants to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And she really let I talk to her like one on one, and she deeply believes in every person's work mm-hmm. at the table, not just like who we are, but she believes in our work and what we can create. I've I've never felt anything like oh, that. Oh yeah, I don't even think that she knows that I know this. When <laughs> she, I was fortunate enough to be coached by Stacy in high school, um, mm-hmm. because she runs Nas- Nebraska Writers Collective and just is involved in LTAP. So she came to my school to coach that year because they needed one. So she was like, "I'll do it." And I found out through a secondhand source that. I will not be <laughs> My sponsor at the school was really like wanting me to write something that was traumatic for me mm-hmm. because she knew it would score well. Mm-hmm. And Stacy was respected me enough as an artist, even when I was in high school, just to say, no, he doesn't have to do that. <laughs> he's knows what he wants to write about and knows the art he wants to make. So he's going to do that. And I've always felt a huge amount of appreciation and respect for that, that she would 
even when I was 17, 18, understand that the art that I was producing yeah. was important to me and important enough that it didn't, I didn't need to compromise my work for any point. It was just because I wanted to do it. I think like closing statement, I guess, like the one thing like I can say is that I feel like, like I know like truly that Stacy loves like all of us mm-hmm. and like, she like cares about us deeply and like, I'm just, like, <laughs> I just don't like, I like, I, I know that, like, we we don't, like, ever, like, score, like, super, super high or, like, in the top, like, five. But, like, I think we, like, truly have to be one of the luckiest teams. Oh, yeah. Because, like, we have a coach who, like, cares about us for sure. as people. And she goes to bat for us. Oh, and this is does. not even just in the poetry world. Like, if something happens at a slam that's messed up, yeah. she's in there going to bat for us. <laughs> and it is impressive to watch. But also just, like... In general, I mean, there have been times where our bank accounts have been low or we haven't been able to make it to practice or something like that. And she has, like, found jobs for some of us. Mm-hmm. She has found ways for, if we are overwhelmed with our futures, oh, some of us are English majors and we're like, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> Stacey will, like, sit down with you. <laughs> uh, some people say quit, but uh, Stacey doesn't. Stacey sits down and is like, look at what's possible for you and what can I do? To make it happen. Like, there's just, there's a, there's a point, I think, where a lot of coaches stop. Like, you walk yeah. out of the practice and the coach is like, not my problem anymore. Um, Stacy is great at, like, having boundaries and caring for her own children, obviously. Um, but she also doesn't, like, I don't think there's a moment where she'd just be like, I don't have time mm-hmm. to help you with this thing that may or may not be related to your art. But, like, all of it is related to our art. How are we supposed to make art if we're worried about paying our bills or if we're super sad about something that happened to us that week? Like, she cares about all of that, not just this sort of, like, very limited set of practices. So, it's in. She feeds us. <laughs> she feeds us pizza, and that is all that I get. <laughs> she does feed us. Ah, okay, so now that we've all gushed about Stacey Waite, uh, which we could do literally for hours, Forever. we can make our own podcast <laughs> on it. Stacey Waite. It'd be called Have You Heard of Stacey Waite? Stacey uh, Waite is our life. I always tell people, like my freshman, sophomore year, my friends and I would go around and say, Have you heard the gospel of Stacey Waite? <laughs> <laughs> they should maybe cut this out. Like, it might be weird. But, like, literally, <laughs> that is uh, how amazing she is. But I guess, so that's one thing that's really interesting. We've talked a little bit about Stacey, but also a lot of professors in our department. We talk about how we get to the trip every year. We're self-funded. We fundraise. And by self-funded, I mean so many people are so generous with us that are not, like, institutions. <laughs> um, and a lot of those people are professors, um, which is really amazing. Um, but I think that's something that's really interesting. We talked a little bit about, like, what it's like to be a student at Nebraska mm-hmm. as a marginalized person. So there's this one sphere of this, like, deep level of care and comfort that I feel from so many of these adults in my life. And then there's the other sphere where I feel like this, this institution um, fails us frequently um, in many, many painful ways, um, which we've talked about in our poems. We've written two poems specifically about the way that UNL has kind of failed us. I don't know. Either of you want to talk about that or Jack, I guess. It was a bit before my time. So like, since I'm so. You have this with the one last year. Well, yeah, but I wasn't, as involved as everybody else. I heard the poems and I gave as much feedback as I could, but my experience with UNL, I'm sure, is a lot different than all of you guys. Like, I don't live on campus. I'm here. I go to class and I'm out. I don't, <laughs> I'm not involved. So in some ways, the slam team is a thing. Yeah, the slam team is, like, the thing for me on campus. Yeah. This is what I love to do. And Yeah. I said this earlier, but I think UNL might be scared if they knew what the slam team was saying. Um, and also just, like... Um, 
Yeah, I think that we, so we wrote a poem that we talked about briefly earlier about um, white supremacists on campus, but more even than just the fact that this boy basically was walking around mm-hmm. our campus and making us fear for our lives. We also talked about the UNL's response to it. I guess, mm-hmm. Bianca, I think you had the idea for the poem. I did. I had written, I wrote so many poems about this. This was, um, <laughs> yeah. like, truly, um, I think we talk a lot about trauma, but there's, like, a very specific racial trauma that I have dealt with and, like, deal with. But, like, I, I don't think it's ever peaked, like, how it's peaked here. And it wasn't even because of the white supremacists, right? Because I've, like, I've seen white supremacists. Like, I've seen Nazis. Like, like that's, like, we live in Nebraska. <laughs> like, I, that's, I dealt with that. But there was something about being in an institution yes. where a white supremacist was valued higher than not just one black person, all black, people. queer, Jewish people. Yeah. And... Like, I, like, I, I wrote so many points because I had never felt, like, so beaten mm. in that moment that I had. And because they had, I had written so, written so many poems, I think this, it eventually made it into the poem where there was an email they had sent out. Yeah. Um, where they were, like, something about next time, something about when he does something or when when he's like yeah. like it hadn't already happened like it was it hadn't kind of like, already been yeah university-wide response as to why what they had decided to do which was nothing yeah they had decided to do nothing but give us t-shirts t-shirts, <laughs> t-shirts. Cable never wins which is actually a lot so that's something that's really interesting that we like use their rhetoric um so they gave us these t-shirts that said hey we'll never win after this guy was around campus and they decided that he had a right to go to school here um, and there's a line in the poem where we're basically calling him out. Mm-hmm. And we're saying, hey, will win, has won, always will, just knows not to bite the hand that feeds it. And I think that that, to me, I don't know, I think that we, like, we danced around how much we wanted to say it was the institution's fault. But, yeah, I think there was a moment where, like, it was so dehumanizing for multiple people with multiple identities on campus where we were. And I think it was even more insulting because they've had this, like, major push for diversity mm-hmm. so they're very interested it feels like UNL is very interested in what black kids and queer kids and you know Jewish kids and all these other people are doing on campus they're interested in this idea of like how can we attract minorities here we know we have a diversity problem and they're willing to talk about it um, and so often it is marginalized people that are the face of their campaigns and they're showing a lot about how they care in quotes mm-hmm. Um, and they want to change the image of the school, but when it comes down to the actions, it's just not there. I think that was what, to me, I mean, obviously I'm speaking from a white perspective, so I definitely um, have a lot of privilege in this arena. But to me, what was so insulting about that moment was that this is coming from two years you've been saying you want to do better in this arena, and here is your perfect chance mm-hmm. to say that you value those kids above this one, and you, you just you can't take it. And it's, like, I don't even... Like, I, like, I mean, I, I won't let you speak, like, I don't even know, like, to this point, like, I still don't even know if I can fully articulate it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But there was, like, the line where, like, I had, to, like, five days afterwards, um, and I think this was in one of the other poems, I had to have, like, like, a very specific, like, white friend walk me to and from everything, That's in our poem. and my mother, she, like, told me that, it was, like, in the middle of winter, like, middle of fall, middle of August, she was like, um, you can't wear a coat or anything heavy because you can't be impeded if you need to run. Mm-hmm. And it was just 
the, like, the, the, the true, like, truly, like, dehumanization of knowing that you are on this campus mm-hmm. and a white supremacist is on this campus mm-hmm. and one of you matters more and it's not you. <laughs> yeah. That you have to share the same space with somebody and you are wearing this skin. Mm-hmm. I mean, speaking, I'm black, so I'm just going to talk about wearing this skin that automatically identifies who I am, but this person gets the privilege to sit wherever he wants to sit and pretend that he is going to be this type of person one day, but in the next day, he's not. Like he told us, he said, I could be sitting right next to you. I could be smiling right next to you, and you'll never know because I'm going to act when I want to act. That is the thing that I feel UNL failed me the most on. And like, I don't know, going to a PWI, so predominantly white institution, Mm -hmm. um, as a black person has been something that I have struggled with for so long. And it's been, it's been hard for me. Like if I talk to someone who goes to HBCU, so a historically black college or university, they're always like, how could you stay there? Mm -hmm. And like, it's, it's rough. So when that happened, like for me, um, I didn't even know how to internalize it. I didn't even know what to do. I just felt shocked, but it's weird because as a black person, I feel shocked about everything. So when it's happening, it, it was shocking, but it also was like, ah, I kind of, mm-hmm. I kind of expected that. Mm-hmm. But it sucks because I, I give too, too much to this university for them to give nothing back to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but to put it back on your poem, I didn't write the poem. It was definitely Bianca and Seeley who created this masterpiece. It was beautiful. <laughs> um, but when I would hear it in practice and um, eventually got to be a part of it in some ways and shapes and forms, um, the poem is what really helped me understand how I felt about the situation. And I don't think y'all knew that. But like, even as the person I am in this skin, I couldn't figure out where I wanted to be in the story. Um, I just knew I didn't like it. Like having to wear the shirt that said, hey, we'll never win when I know it's BS. Um, they know it is. I know UNL knows it is, but what can we do? Um, but I mean, your poem really did help shape the storyline for me. And I just thank y'all for that because then I was able to really understand where I could put myself. And I mean, I still don't know exactly, but it gave me some insights. But yeah, we wrote another poem. This, So I kind of laugh. This is a horrible joke, but I kind of laugh every year after we leave for Cupsy because we've written all these amazing poems and we're like, what are we going to write about next year? And then every time I'm like, don't worry, you and I will do something that's really bad to us and we'll have something to write about, which like is a joke, but also horrifying. Um, And lo and behold, after that white supremacy situation, which is still not resolved, to be certainly clear, that is still not resolved on campus. Um... There was an email blast sent out. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a whole other situation. That yeah, that email that they sent out um, that was saying that this girl had been sexually assaulted or raped. I don't remember exactly what the email said. Um, I think, was it one girl or two girls? I don't know. Anyways, the situation had happened in a dorm room on campus. Mm-hmm. And they sent out an email blast with a description of the perpetrators. Mm-hmm. Um, but that description was of two black men. Yep. And I had this moment when I saw this email, especially, I mean, I think as a white woman, I had a, I was really conflicted because on the one hand, it's hard to be like, I want to write a poem that talks about how it's messed up they're calling out assault. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously I want assault to be called out, but it was just so insulting mm-hmm. when I thought about all of the people that I know and love in my life who have been sexually assaulted, um, oftentimes on this campus, mm-hmm. um, and no one got an email blast. And you yeah. know why? Because all those rapists were white. 
Um, many of them were living on Greek Row. Many of them had money, you know, like, and so the only time I've ever been warned about sexual assault as a woman on a college campus is when it was two black men. Mm-hmm. And to me, I remember I saw that email. I think I texted you or called you and I was like, did you see that? I, like, I was just livid. And I went to, I think we had a meeting that week. And I went to that meeting and I was just like, I'm so angry. But again, how do we write a poem that's like, it's messed up that you said this about assault mm-hmm. and how do we do justice to both sides of that argument how do we defend how do we defend black men from because also the descriptions were so bs they were like literally like could have applied to like the majority of black men on campus which we talked about in the poem um they're so bs um so how do we do a poem that is like this is messed up that rape only counts when it is black men and like how messed up it is, is it that I, as a white woman, know that I'm never going to be believed? This is a line we had in the poem, like a sequence of lines where we were like, I think if we said, like, it only matters, you know, if you're a white woman, it only matters if your perpetrator is, is black. Um, and it, so, like, white men get away with everything. And then if you're a black woman, it doesn't matter who your perpetrator is at all. Yes. Yeah, that line we talked about. And so we, we, we did this, like, really, I think, really hard thing in a span of three minutes where we decided, oh, yeah, this is super simple. We're going to talk about the ways that this is messed up on the terms of race. We're going to talk about the ways that we still believe that assault should be called out. And, mm-hmm. like, in three minutes, which was impossible. <laughs> that poem took so much revision and so much writing. But when it ended up on the stage, what happened was we had two white women and two black women on stage talking about assault in mm-hmm. ways it fails us all in very different ways and what privilege we carry and what privilege we don't um i don't know it was it was hard and cool and painful mm-hmm. which is how i could really list any of the group poems we've ever written mm-hmm. and i think with that poem um when we were able to go on stage together, all four of us, mm-hmm. and we divided it up in the way that we did, mm-hmm. it was one of the most empowering experiences for me because I identify with pieces of that poem tremendously. Um, and when I got to talk lines with Bianca that really resonated with being a black woman who's abused and who gets no justice, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. We get no justice. And when we say things, most of the time, no one wants to hear it. So, like, being able to share those lines with her was touching. And then going on the other side, being able to share lines with Jax, who was also uh, a member on our team and is white, like, sharing those lines were just also touching in a new way because I'm like, I can share this identity, this experience mm-hmm. with somebody who's mm-hmm. totally different from me, and it still gets the point across. So I think that poem really did justice yeah. um, for us. I don't know how much justice school is doing for us but it did justice for us so um yeah I, I appreciated all those words in there yeah and I also think as much as like because like I do think as much as like I feel like sometimes Cubsy can devolve into kind of like a trauma fest mm-hmm. where it's just like hey here's our name like there's also something like I'm like I'm not gonna say anything that we don't all know but like the like very very cathartic thing of having something hidden because, like, for example, like, I didn't write about my body until, like, last year. Mm-hmm. Because it's, like, this giant, like, unseen secret. And I feel like sometimes, and, like, the way that UNL treats its students also say is that. But, like, the way that you take something that's supposed to be hidden, and then you perform it on a stage mm-hmm. to hundreds yeah. of people, and you're, like, it, like, not, like, not to be, like, poetic and, like, also, like, gross, but, like, kind of, like, absolves you of all, like, the sin and all, like, the dirt and all, like, the 
not all the ink, but I do the because now it's no longer a dirty thing mm-hmm. or it's no longer a disgusting thing because now people have heard it and mm-hmm. it's Sounds true good. and yeah and it's like yeah. can can I ask a question mm-hmm. um, because I haven't heard you talk, Jack, and I want to know um, how did you feel like. How do you feel after you heard these poems? Because you've gotten to experience the storyline a little bit yeah. with um, us, like as a person who kind of fits these identities that kind of translate in this poem. So white and black, like how does it make you feel as a as a man? Like uh, I just want to know your experiences with the poem. And- so for that poem specifically, you know I'm I am who I am. I'm not like the idea of what a lot of people think when they think black male. Like I'm I don't. I've come to terms with my identity and I'm aware that I'm not, I don't like the things that people think I should like or do the things people think I should do. I'm okay with that. Um, so when that email came out, people in my classes were talking about it and it's almost like I'm invisible in a lot of those places. Mm-hmm. So when it came out, it's not like they were asking for my opinion. It was just people like, oh, wow, this is crazy. And I just sit in the back. In a lot of my classes, I'm the only person of color in them. So it's I'm basically invisible places that I go. My teachers are do a great job about recognizing that I'm there and can say things that are valuable. But oftentimes my classmates don't. So, I mean, the poem didn't... It resonated with me because I heard a perspective, a mixed perspective from you guys and it was something that I don't realize and recognize that I walk around with these um, that I walk around like as a man I don't I, I can't think in the way that you guys think I don't I'm not I don't have certain fears I don't have no one's trying to like get my body you know what I mean like that's not a thing that scares me or that I have to worry about so I never really think about it so when you guys talked about it it was it was eye-opening I would say because mm-hmm. it's just something that I don't think about day to day but when I realize that you guys have to think about it all the time mm-hmm. it's kind of it upsets me that that is mm-hmm. the state that we're in but yeah. I don't know mm-hmm. I think a lot of our poems have like like Bianca was saying like this sort of like absolution of sin like there's this moment on stage where you walk up and you do the poem mm-hmm. and you know what's going to fix absolutely nothing like when it comes to the whole structure of the world of the university of whatever has happened it's not going to fix anything but sometimes moment, it just makes it worse sometimes it does make it worse sometimes you speak and that is taken from you um but for a moment it's like you get to give this thing you don't have to carry it by yourself there's a whole room of people who are going to carry it for you and that just feels like to me it feels like the smallest bit of justice mm-hmm. um, I think that's something we're all really focused on we're super justice oriented mm-hmm. um, and I think that's something that we we come to I, I personally think that all four of us come to head with the university a lot um, and what ways the university devalues us um, as marginalized people um, the university has been really horrible with queer people um, is trying to do better um, but sometimes I think all of us are asking the question, like, are you trying to do better for us, for our lived experiences, for our bodies? 
Or are you trying to do better for the photo op, for the mm-hmm. enrollment numbers, for the, oh, we're not a super white institution anymore because that's a bad thing to be now in 2019. Mm-hmm. Like, so I think, I think for us, poetry is like, I, I guess I shouldn't speak for everyone, but I think for me, poetry is a moment where I have to be like, you're going to listen, damn it. You're going to listen to me for three minutes. I have the stage and I'm going to tell you what I feel about what you've done to me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's definitely like kind of like a Rage Against the Machine moment, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah. like, where it's like, because I, like, love to talk. Like, not gonna lie to you guys. <laughs> but before, like, in middle school, like, before, like, if there was nowhere for me to just, like, no one listened to me. Because why would you? Because I'm, like, like a black girl. Like, be, like the least listened to people, like, statistically. <laughs> um, but, like, I think I, like, I did, like, a recruiting thing. And someone asked me, like, why do I write poetry? And I was, like, because you listen. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no there's like nothing better than being heard when you are never heard. Mm-hmm. And if that's like all I ever get from doing slam poetry, then like freaking thank God. <laughs> Plant State is produced by Robert Lipscomb, post-production by Stephen Ramsey, music by Shadows on a River. My name is Mitchell Evans, and on behalf of the Department of English at the University of Nebraska, Lincoln, thank you for listening to the Plant State Podcast, tagline forthcoming.